you are listening to The Social Hotelier Show, a podcast that inspires hoteliers to create meaningful and memorable experiences for their customers in pursuit of their passion. We share our views and experiences relating to hospitality, technological trends, and also relating to humanity. Here is your host, Sam Eric Rutman. Welcome to the show. My name is Sam Eric, and this is the Hospitality Insights. It's the show that takes you around the world discussing with industry leaders about the hot topics facing the region. And today is, of course, our first uh, episode of 2022. And of course, this is a great uh, topic to talk about wellness. And uh, I'm very excited to have uh, as my first guest uh, of this year, Hilton Lipkin, who is the general manager of Alba Wellness Valley by Fusion in Vietnam. Uh, he's an industry leader in, in the industry veteran and leader in the spa and wellness, and also uh, a World Wellness Weekend ambassador in Vietnam. And uh, if you're watching this now live, I am really warm welcome. And uh, I would like to then encourage you to just put in your comments or questions that you may have. My first question is really, when was the last time you visited a spa for a treatment? Uh, just put in your comments and uh, uh, this could create a very interesting conversation. Now, if you like this broadcast and enjoy these kind of episodes, uh, please uh, press the subscribe button and, and the like. I would really very much appreciate that. But uh, without uh, further ado, let me bring in our... We'll start the show. Hello, Hilton, and welcome. <laughs> well, good, good morning for you and good afternoon for me. Thank you very much. Well, I'm uh, really happy that we have a chance to start a discussion about the wellness and uh, uh, because that has to do, a lot to do what the, the lifestyle has uh, is evolving in many ways and uh, particularly looking at uh, the past 18 months we have had uh, the pandem pandemic and uh, of course it has an impact on how people are uh, thinking about themselves their safety and uh, and their own own well-being so uh, how have you found uh, this situation uh, where you are in Vietnam at the moment about the pandemic and how has it affected you and uh, and the, your customers well, I think the first and foremost thing is, I think it's more like 24 months, not 18 months. I've been counting them. <laughs> no, only joking. Um, yes, of course, uh, difficult times, uh, interesting times. You know, there, there's also often um, positivity that comes out of hardship, which we can maybe talk about a little bit later. But yes, it's, it's been difficult. Um, there is light at the end of the tunnel for us here in Vietnam. It might be a candle in the wind. So I don't know how long it will stay uh, bright for, but uh, the government has really seemed to adapted a live with it type of attitude, although they've been incredibly strict up to now. So yeah, hopefully things are looking a lot better. The vaccination rate is very high. The government seems to be a bit more relaxed. Business is back. So all in all, pretty positive. Well, that's uh, good to hear. I mean, and I think it's one of the important thing is that you need to remain positive and and uh, just looking looking forward and see what you can do. Uh, tell me, you have 
close to 30 years of experience in the in the wellness and industry and now being a general manager could you share and talk about uh, the evolution of uh, spas and and maybe the well-being how 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 this has been happening from during your career and what has perhaps been some of the changes in from your point of view 30 years sounds like such a long time wow <laughs> wow 30 years um Yes, I suppose over the years, like everything in, in general, there is some type of evolution and change. Um, wellness industry has definitely become more of a forefront uh, over the years. I mean, I've been involved in fitness and spas and, and, and general wellness and, and of late hospitality. So I've, it's true, I've been very involved and seen a lot of the evolution um, yeah, I suppose we can now say that um, people are very concerned about wellness. People talk about wellness. Wellness has become a very big word. It might mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But uh, for us in the hotel or hospitality industry, and especially the wellness industry, uh, it's fantastic. We love people to mention the word wellness. We love people to talk about wellness. We love people to ask questions about wellness because that's where we're at. And our objective is obviously to, to drive business. And if we can do it from a well-being perspective and have uh, people getting healthier and happier, uh, that, that's what it's all about. So I think it's a great thing that it's come to the forefront, but it, it, it's been a long process. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember being uh, started my career in, in a little bit longer than 30 years ago and uh, we we didn't have much of a spa there was a spa culture or sauna culture if you will uh, but then uh, the evolution in hotels getting spas I only got I saw my first spa hotels hotels with spa when I um, went to Thailand and then uh, and also joined went to Phuket and I experienced that, that kind of their spas and they were more uh, like a pampering uh, and uh, still is, but has, is that still the pre predominant reason why people go to spas or hotels with spas for the pampering or has something else happened in terms of the offerings you know, from your, what have you seen? I, I think honestly speaking in um, a couple of years back, let, let, let's not count the years, but uh, sometime back, uh, spa was definitely more of a high-end luxury, pampering is a good word, that was offered in top-end properties. Uh, that changed very quickly and became a standard amenity. You know, when I started my career in the spa industry, I remember my, my manager at the time was saying, this is such a great property because it's, I won't give the name, it's ABC hotel and spa and that's so good for us because people are talking mentioning spa and it was like very exciting but today any resort and most hotels around the world have to have a spa it's, it's a given we don't even ask anymore you know do you have a spa it's how many treatment rooms do you have or what products do you use or what treatments do you offer so the, the guests traveling around the world especially to larger properties expect it to be there so I think that's already a very big change. And this is not just because of the pandemic. This is something that evolved quite some time back. So I would say spa today is an accepted amenity in most properties around the world. And again, that comes with its challenges because the level gets raised, which is good for the industry, but more difficult to manage. Yeah. I have seen something also in the, 
uh, that there are now resorts that are also maybe taking it a step further where they are, uh, besides the pampering, uh, they're offering uh, also different kind of sauna treatments, sauna experiences, not only the the steam or, or, or the finish. And also what I found was interesting is that, and I knew I really didn't know anything about it, was apitherapy, using the bees for, for treatments. And uh, I just learned about this uh, last year because there was a development and uh, evolving where the, the owner is very interested. And I, I start to look into this, how what, what it was all about. And uh, it is very, very popular. I mean, Slovenia and also Russia has a very strong culture where they're using the apitherapy. I mean, it's going dating back to the to the Greeks. So that I knew nothing about, but I also realized that there is a growing interest in a different holistic uh, treatments, which uh, uh, comes into then that uh, maybe a spa hotel has, or the spa has something additional than your uh, various massages and your, and the facials. Can you talk about that, what you have uh, experienced or seen? I, I, I think going back to your question of the evolution that, that, that would fit in well with this question is, now that spas are considered a standard amenity, what makes you different to somebody else? Why would people then come to your spa or your property? And this has spurred off this interest of, well, what else can we do? What else can we be different with? What, well, how can we take this to the next level? And yes, you now see people saying spa and massage is one section. Uh, they still do the partition between beauty, but I think it still falls under spa. But then you now have this whole holistic wellness environment where people are hugging trees, where people are doing meditation, where people are doing uh, tai chi and chi, chi, chi kong, chi kong, chi kong, sorry, and, uh, all, and yoga, of course. And those are all falling under the spa. So, yes, before it was just spa treatments. Now it's a whole group of wellness activities and every hotel is pushing this further and further. And maybe I can preempt your next question because it probably will be the question, is what about medical versus spa? And that again is another development because now not only have spas brought in this whole element of more wellness activities, but also the element of how far can we go from the medical side? Now, a couple of years back, there were definitely medical retreats and medical spas, especially in Switzerland, up in the mountains, and France, and Italy was very famous for that. But now we're seeing this hotel integration with a certain level of medical treatments that are accepted to do in all hotels. Uh, drip therapy is a very good example. It's become very popular around the world. It's not a drip because you're having chemotherapy or something like that. It's what we call a vitamin drip or a dechelation drip, which you know, detoxes the body. So you're seeing more medical activities coming in, mixing into the spas as well. So from massages that came from Hawaii and Thailand and Indonesia, we now have this really big grouping of all different types of medical, holistic, uh, beauty treatments, and obviously all the wellness activities that go with it. So, yes, it's, it, it's become a very complex amenity in hotels today, but this is how it's grown. It's exciting, but it's a lot to offer to people. And then for properties, they need to keep up with this. Absolutely. Yeah, and um, 
I mean, I, I, I totally, totally agree with you there. Uh, what do you see in uh, what traditions have you seen in in Vietnam in terms of this wellness? Uh, what has been offered there for people who are not familiar with the, the spa culture or the kind of a holistic culture in in Vietnam? I think here in Vietnam there is traditional massage. There actually is. There is tradition that's been passed down through the ages. Uh, I would not say it's mainstream in the public, but definitely out in the the country, in the villages, there is a a passed down uh, massage ritual or healing ritual. Uh, I think uh, Vietnam is influenced quite a lot by what's going on around them, by their borders or the, the other countries and the other cultures that come in. So to answer your question, I would say a bit of everything. There is a small percentage of local but not to the degree of the Thai massage, where the whole world's doing Thai massage and it's so well known from Thailand. We don't really have that here in Vietnam as such. So most of the spas and most of the operations I've worked on, it's, it's a bit of everything from all over. Okay. Yeah, going back a little bit to what we discussed about the complexity of, um, of the offerings and, and uh, differentiation from each other, uh, What are the sort of key attributes for a successful spa? What are the things that a spa operator need to be considering, particularly how because of the complexity that is now in in the industry? I think it's very simple. Do something well, don't spend money, (laughs) and make a a great bottom line. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, um, seriously, again, I think there needs to be an edge the days of just having uh, great therapists and offering great treatments is is great and it's good and and it is important, but it's not enough. It's not enough. I think, you know, I hate using the phrase thinking out of the box because it puts so much pressure on people and it's like, what direction out of the box? But you have to do something else. You've got to give people an extra journey. Yes, of course, you have to watch your costs and you have to you know, do everything you can, keep your team happy, all, all those techniques that most of the people have been doing for a long time in spas. I do not have the magic wand, but I would say if I had to pinpoint one thing and say, how could you improve your performance in the spa? I would say diversify. I would say add something extra, entertain people and, and give them something that they can either imp- export, take home with them or something that they can learn. I think that those are key elements that can really help uh, people um, grow in in business. Okay, um, uh, that's interesting. Uh, I, I know from uh, my, uh, from the time I worked in the spa hotels, uh, there was always a challenge of finding uh, a what they called in hotel lingo enough occupancy for the treatment rooms, and there was usually just some key hour, key hours. Uh, what are the, some ideas that have you developed? Uh, in order to keep the spa busier than it, it would, unless you would have, if you're not done nothing, because there is only maybe two two periods per day where people are using the spa. Any any thoughts or any suggestions you have for people who are uh, are struggling with these, uh, their so to speak, the occupancy of their spa? Uh, I think it's the same everywhere in the world. Yes, the two times you're talking about are probably in the morning and in the evening, right? Um, The spa inclusive has become very popular. Um, The company I'm actually working for at the moment, um, 
fusion. I hope I can mention that. Yes, of course. You mentioned it in the beginning. Uh, we have a very unique concept where it's an all-inclusive. So every guest staying on the property actually has spa treatments included in the room rate to the extent that certain room categories have two treatments per day. So it's the exact opposite. Now it's the spa saying, whoa, 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 too many treatments, too many treatments, uh, which is the exact opposite of the question you asked me. But it's a very interesting model. Uh, that's the concept of the property. That's the concept of, of the, the wellness um, infusion into, into the concept. So that has worked very well. In the beginning, when I discovered this, I thought they're absolutely crazy. When you have a property of 100 uh, rooms and that's 200 people with two treatments per day, that's 400 treatments per day, you, you can do the maths. Is where do you find the, the therapists? Where do you find the rooms? Where do you find everything? So I think that's maybe a bit extreme and we, we've learned to, to manage that. But I would say to cut it down the middle, if you had spa inclusion uh, with certain room categories, which is becoming very popular, it's a great way of forcing people to go to the spa. And you still get your, your allocation, you know, in terms of money. It might be less because you're playing on the room rate, but at least you get that occupancy in the spa and you get uh, people coming into the spa. And then obviously you give them teasers and then you can upgrade them and try and make an uh, additional revenue. And I think that's what a lot of people are doing nowadays. Mm. Has the length of stay in, in, in the hotel changed uh, or how does it work for in, in the property you are at? I think it's important when you say length of stay, it also depends on what type of property. Because if we're talking a urban city hotel versus a retreat in the middle of nowhere, we would definitely have a different length uh, in stay of, of, of people. Um, I personally, the property that I'm on at the moment is a, a what we call well, a wellness valley. So you could say like a retreat property or a destination property. So yes, there we try very hard to sell as much as we can to get people to stay as long as we can. Um, I think post-pandemic, we're seeing people staying a lot longer uh, than, than previous times. But the fact that we're far away from everywhere obviously helps us because people won't just come for one day. They'll try and come for additional days. But um, yeah, it, it, it all depends on what you're looking for, location. I think it's still all over the show. Uh, if, if we talk about it from a perspective of COVID, I think people are escaping from where they live or where they've been kept in hibernation or isolation. So they want to spend more time on properties that are far away. Uh, even in the cities. So I would say, yes, people are tending to stay a little bit longer uh, to stay away from their houses or stay away from busy areas uh, because of the COVID situation. Mm. Yeah, I, I would think that uh, that because of the, the pandemic and also the, the atmosphere uh, when you're surrounded by semi-lockdowns and uh, restrictions and so on, that right. you, you may want to venture to a... Um, To a retreat, for instance, because then you spend uh, you can spend easily a week and uh, keep yourself sort of kind of to uh, re regenerate yourself somehow with or rejuvenate yourself somehow in a very peaceful environment and take uh, some sort of a program. And uh, in, in that way, I thought that could have been how the retreat and the hotels with with the, the, these kind of offerings are doing very well. Then right. the, one thing, sorry, Sam Eric is. We're a bit in a bit of a catch-22 situation, whereas 
people want to escape and spend more time away, but people also don't want to spend so much money because they've had restrictions in their daily life or job. Or, so you kind of want to go away for longer, but you don't want to spend more money. Mm. So we as the properties want those people, but we also want their money. So we now have found ourselves in, in this, this tussle of, of lower room rates. Uh, and it's pretty much around the world. So that is allowing people to stay longer because it's actually cheaper than it would have been 24 months ago. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> How have you found uh, the situation with the therapist or getting a therapist or, and the training of that? Or how, how do you how do you recruit therapists for for the, your organization? And what kind of training do you uh, provide them? It's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. Uh, most of the properties I've worked in around the world, uh, spa spa therapists are not not as easy to find. Um, there's definitely a level, a technical level involved, and in some countries you actually have to have a license to to be a therapist or a beautician. So it makes it even more complicated. Uh, we're very lucky here at the property I'm at currently. We have a fantastic uh, spa wellness director, and he uh, finds ladies uh, in 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 the local community, and he trains them, and the results are phenomenal. The guests are blown away. It supports our social environment uh, concept where we support the local community. And um, these ladies are happy because they're working close to their home. They're getting a new skill and um, they're enjoying it. So I'm very lucky at this stage that we have uh, a, a significant amount of fairly hard trained or let's say good experienced therapists at the moment. But speaking for a lot of colleagues around the world, it, it's a challenge. It's a very big challenge. Education is important, and there's more and more out there for education programs. Um, but yeah, it, it, it remains a challenge. Absolutely. Let's uh, now move over to something that you must be passionate about, being the World Wellness Weekend Ambassador for Vietnam. <laughs> Can you talk about that concept and uh, and uh, share of uh, what are, what is the idea and how how you got involved with it? Um. Yeah, it's um, very, very, very exciting. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm loving being part of involved in the World Wellness Weekend. Um, to give a little bit of a background, the World Wellness Weekend has been going for five years now. This is the sixth year, and to give you an idea, that on the first year they had two countries participating, and then uh, last year there were 133 countries involved. 132 plus Vietnam, 133. So it's something that has really grown and, and we hope to have over 140 countries involved um, this year. The idea is very simple. Uh, get together and do as many wellness activities as possible. Promote wellness, get people involved, get people out, make people happy. It's a non-profit organization. We approach people on all walks of life from around the world, and we ask them to do something special on the weekend of the 16th, 17th, and 18th of September. Uh, and uh, yeah, last year here in Vietnam, we had about 84 venues involved uh, with different activities. Unfortunately, we had the lockdown, but we still went online and had about 50 hours worth of online wellness. Uh, so it's everything and anything. It's planting trees. It's doing a yoga class. It's going on a hike. It's running. 
It's uh, doing a massive yoga marathon in Helsinki down at the port. Uh, whatever anyone can do to, to promote wellness. And mm. it's exciting. And yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying being involved. It's a great bunch of people. We all have the same mindset. Uh, we, we have a slogan where we say wellness for all, wellness by all. One team, one goal. Very so, good. yes, and wellness is a very big thing at the moment, hence our conversation. And uh, so it's exciting. It's great to be involved. I'm proud to be involved and um, the first ambassador of Vietnam. But even the government has approached me, so they want to get involved as well. So, yeah, it's, it's exciting. So no, very if, good. if I'm allowed to advertise, anyone can go to worldwellnessweekend.org. That is the webpage. Or just on Facebook, just type in World Wellness Weekend and you'll find Brazil, Poland, Vietnam, England, and just, yeah, check it out. Join us. I will put that into the, in, into the comments in, uh, in, in the show so people can, and, and the link, so then uh, you have a chance to can go directly to, to visit the site and so on. So what has Thank been you. your favorite activity involved, being involved in this uh, uh, World Wellness Weekend? Um, It's very diverse because we work with a lot of different people. Um, my pet project last year was to actually do what we wanted to call the Alba Challenge, which was a CrossFit jungle race here on my property. So we wanted to get people together and jump over trees and pull logs and run through the mud and go up the mountain and, and really have... Uh, you know, a lot of fun, be outdoors. We wanted to do children, ladies, a, a whole event. It will happen this year. Last year it did not happen, but it will happen this year. Very good. Well, that, well uh, no, I encourage everyone to, to check out this uh, uh, World Wellness Weekend and, uh, and, uh, and, and contribute and participate because I think it's a, it's a great concept. I see that you're also involved with different uh, uh, sustainable related issues like a cage-free animals and so on. Can you talk about uh, your, your passion for that? Sure. Um, again, I think wellness in general is, um, regroups a lot of different things. Um, I like to call it green wellness. And one of the key elements of that is environmental wellness. Um, there's a lot going on. We just had uh, the big meeting in, in, in Europe. I think it was in, in Scotland. And again, the, the results were not good. Um, we have get, uh, Greta going around making a lot of noise, but we know environmentally things are not as good as they should be. And, and we're all very selfish because it's not our problem. So I personally try my best to do what I can. I know I'm only one person and everyone says, I will not be able to make a difference. But if I don't use a plastic bottle and 300 other people don't use a plastic bottle and they tell 300 people not to use a plastic bottle. That's a lot of plastic bottles that we won't be using. So um, some of the projects that I'm working with is uh, with HSI, Humane Society International, and their big push is on animal welfare. So our property here where I work at the moment is the first cage-free resort, 100% cage-free resort in Vietnam cage-free eggs, meaning that all the eggs we use on our property come from hens that are not kept in cages. So HSI has this international push to getting rid of these uh, industrial egg farms where you have 
a, a hen sitting on a A4 page for its whole life just producing eggs. It, it's, it, it's disgusting. And again, we go to the supermarket, we buy the egg, we, we don't see this, we don't think about it, but it's a big push and I'm very involved with this and we have an Asian uh, group where we contact and we try and get as many people as we can involved to start using cage-free eggs. And here on my property, we also, also have a farm. So at the moment, we have about 60% of our eggs coming from a supplier, cage-free, and the rest come from our proper farm, which is obviously cage-free as well. So mm. something to look into. So when you go to the supermarket or where you go out and buy, you can see there are little markers on the, key, on the egg boxes um, talking about this. Yeah, I mean, uh, here in Helsinki, we have a... Uh, a lot of we have different choices of, of eggs. It's like you have uh, dairy products. You have a long list, long offerings, and uh, I can see that also. That is one of the things that uh, is being offered now. That uh, that the free range or uh, free range uh, hen and so on. Correct. Uh, correct. Yeah. That's, yes. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it, it's exciting. There, there's a lot out there, and there's you know in terms of if, if just getting back to the environment. I, w I won't talk for an hour on environmental wellness. That will have to be another talk because I can. Um, the hotel industry, the wellness industry, the, the hospitality industry can be a very big um, help for environmental um, wellness. And I think we've seen over the years plastic bottles in the rooms, amenities, are slowly falling away. Uh, properties don't have straws anymore. Properties don't have the little plastic bottles in the showers. They now have ceramic. So there are many activities that properties that have 300 rooms with a thousand people every day can reduce the, the, you know, the amount of plastic and, and really help the environment. And again, post COVID, there's been a lot of talk about how you can make your property more wellness friendly, more healthy. And all these little elements are helping people advertise their properties by saying, well, we wellness friendly. So it's a win-win situation. So like I said in the beginning of our conversation, yes, COVID has been terrible. Yes, it's very negative. But the, the wellness perspective and the wellness um, push and awareness that has come at the back end, I hope this is the back end, uh, has really changing the world. And I'm not just talking for Vietnam, the same in Scandinavia, the same everywhere in the world. So that for us is, is, is a major win. And again, for World Wellness Weekend, hospitality, spas, people want to be healthy. Mm. But part of the, the uh, health, health and wellness is, is uh, the diet. Now, uh, what have you seen in terms of interest in, in vegan? Because that is a, a growing, it's growing here in, in, in Northern Europe. And, uh, but I, of course, know that in, in, in Southeast Asia, that's, uh, it's been eaten for for, for hundreds and thousands of years, so it's not nothing new, but uh, in terms of the hotel offering in, in uh, providing the options for, for the guests, what are the interests from the guests and the expectations? I don't, I don't want you to think that I'm obsessed with environmental wellness, but actually, <laughs> just a small point is, the reduction of meat is definitely helping the environment. So that's one, you know, you're talking about vegan and vegetation. So not only are people moving towards a more healthy lifestyle and people are understanding that maybe eating meat every day is not the healthiest option uh, for, for your general day-to-day -day health, but also at the same time, less meat 
is less carbon emissions, less forestry breaking away, less, less water being used. Um, I read a very interesting article a week ago where they were rating um, a hamburger versus the amount of water. One hamburger represents how much more it was frightening. But yeah. anyway, that wasn't your question. No. So to, to, to answer the question, sorry. <laughs> um, yes, ve vegetarianism or, or, or vegan healthy eating is definitely becoming mainstream. Uh, when you see KFC doing Beyond Meat vegan options, you know things are going to change. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's green, <laughs> yeah. which was very well, yeah. well chosen by them. So, yes, we personally on this property, we now have a plant-based menu that we propose to guests. And it fits hand in hand with, um, with healthy lifestyle. But I think people are starting to understand that vegan, not necessarily vegan, maybe that's a bit hardcore, but vegetarian, less meat, um, is definitely becoming mainstream. And it, it, it's good for us and it's good for the environment. Yeah. You know, the, my first uh, introduction to vegetarian, uh, no, that wasn't the vegan, but it was vegetarian was in Thailand. I was operating a hotel in Bangkok. And every month there was a, uh, the Vegetarian Society of Bangkok had their meetings. And uh, the, <clears throat> the host of the, of the meeting said, well, come and visit us. And, uh, and and during the meeting, and so of course I went there and uh, to meet who the, the the members of the society was, and, and I found it quite interesting. And, and uh, for the time I lived in in Bangkok, and uh, and I, I joined this uh, vegetarian society meetings every every time, and of course the food was uh, cooked by our chef, and I found that it was no the transition was not difficult at all because the variety of food that you and taste and flavors you can have uh, is uh, phenomenal because you have you have so it's not only the Thai but it's also the the Indian and many different variety of foods and uh, and the, the Vietnamese cuisine which is a uh, phenomenal so there's many things you can have and uh, I think that uh, just I think it was an eye opener for me and I and it helped me to kind of uh, shred some of the unnecessary kilos. Correct. I, I, think, I think you hit the nail on the head is that people come out of their comfort zone. We, we, we grow up with a certain style of eating, and that's what we consider to be the food you need. And then you jump into another culture, like India, for example, with a few billion people and there's no meat. Every 90% of the population is vegetarian, but no one's, you know, no, no one's you know, starving. They, 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 well... Okay, maybe not a good example, but there is a lot of food and a lot of options out there. So, again, as it goes mainstream, bad example, but always a very good example. If KFC is offering vegetarian food, people won't think that the change and the move over is uh, that difficult. But yeah. yes, in Southeast Asia, there's a lot of soups and a lot of vegetable-based uh, food, which is traditional all the way you know, from China, all the way down to, 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 to Singapore. And uh, yes, it's, it's much healthier than the, the Western lifestyle and the Western eating. Yeah. Correct. Well, we have, we have uh, a, a Vietnamese community in, in, in Helsinki and been for maybe the second two generations. And uh, of course, we have also the Vietnamese res uh, restaurants. So even the poor has been become a very... Uh, popular uh, item for people to have lunch when they have lunch meals 
in, in, in uh, close to the workplace. There are several small restaurants in, in the center of Helsinki. So it's quite nice, uh, nice, nice opportunity to have, have those flavors. I didn't actually know that, but I've, I've learned that Vietnam has a huge export of, of, of food and people. There are Vietnamese people living everywhere in the world, and they only eat Vietnamese food, and they're generally involved in restaurants. I, I had no idea. Yes, in a few places I've been in the world, there was a vegetarian restaurant, uh, uh, a Vietnamese restaurant, but I never put two and two together. But apparently, you can practically go to any city in the world and Find a Vietnamese restaurant. I think the, one of the things is that the, the, the entrepreneurship is second to none when it comes to the Vietnamese. There's always, if, it's, if you have a family, you have friends, you have relatives, then you do some kind of a business. And restaurants is one of the ways that you can get started, at least in, in Europe. I don't know if you've ever heard of a company. Again, I'm doing some advertising, but they don't need the advertising. Uh, Vin, Vin Group here in Vietnam. Vin Group is this massive company. They, they, it, it's, very, it's very big. I, I won't compare them to another company because I'll do even more advertising. But the founder started selling noodles. He was selling noodles somewhere in Russia. And today he's one of the richest men in Vietnam with this massive conglomerate of hundreds of com companies. So, yeah, 100%. They are very in, in, intuitive and, and, and hardworking. Well, there are many billionaires in the world that have started with noodles, and they are they are in different in different countries. Believe me, <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I think as a final a final uh, question to you from this very interesting discussion, what have you personally learned about yourself during this pandemic period? Wow, about myself. <laughs> you advertised uh, about the companies, not about you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Boom, now I have to think. Um, I've always been a very positive, outlooking person. And I think that the fact that I've always tried to look for the, the positive side of everything has really helped me throughout COVID. I don't think I've been in any situation throughout COVID where I've really been in a depression or I've been worried. I've definitely been worried personally and for our business. I think everyone maybe went through that. But I never found myself in a depression, this is too much, I can't take it anymore, listening to all this information being bombarded where none of us knew what's going on, we still don't know. Um, so personally, I think I have learned to maybe filter out the information that is around us. Uh, that's definitely something I've, I've Found In the beginning, I was listening to everything and I wanted to be the expert and, and actually it had the opposite effect. Um, so I would say that, well, I, I'm not really answering the question, but I would say the positivity that I had before, I, I, I maintain and I will always maintain, you know, believing in the best situation, being very optimistic, maybe filtering out a bit of what goes on around you in terms of communication and what people tell you and what to listen to because it's very difficult to, to know what's real and what's not real. But, I mean, also one other thing that comes to mind is human nature. And I love everyone around me and I, I love animals, I love humans, not in that order. Um, but we've seen true colors of, of nations and people and I've been very upset about that. 
we, we've seen reactions of, of, of just total selfishness to, to the degree, and it actually still exists today, which is disgusting. And uh, I think one thing that I can really take home, I don't want to take anything home, from the, the, the COVID um, the last 24 months is, is that we, we're not a united world and we don't love our brothers and sisters as much as we should. We, we don't. Yeah, I mean... I do, but we don't. Yeah, I mean, it shows that there, there are... <clears throat> uh, the selfishness I see is that uh, uh, there are people who don't seem to care about what happens to somebody else and they don't mind... Uh, you know, here here we are quite obedient when we talk about vaccination. There are people taking the vaccination because it's not only about protecting yourself, but you're protecting others from from getting it. And and what I learned about this pandemic is it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated people, and they are taking a huge risk not only for themselves, but they're taking huge risks for people they are they are they are, they are dealing with. So I think it's a it's quite a eye opener. Uh, that uh, they, they still consider that somebody say that they don't believe that vaccination works and consider that we have 200 years of history of of vaccinations already. And uh, so that, that was an eye-opener for me. And the second thing was that I was watching a documentary about uh, Spanish flu, how it spread uh, and in 1918 mm -hmm. and uh, the, how it uh, basically wiped up 50 million people. And at that time we had people who didn't believe in in uh, wearing masks, people who didn't believe in, in uh, I mean, of course, the hygiene situations were different. Of course, it was a horrible uh, world war at the time going on. So, I mean, a lot of things were, thing, but people also didn't want to protect themselves or protecting others. So it was a, I think, uh, you know, if you look at what happened in 1918 and now, what happened now, I think there's a, if we just look a little bit back, what has happened, we can uh, take, some, take home some learnings from there because I think it's uh, uh, important for us uh, in order to sustain uh, what we're supposed to do and what we ide ideologically think about is that we have to care about each other. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, we, we can go on for a long time, but it's, yeah, tr true colors have been, um, have been shown and they're not so pretty. Mm. They're not so pretty. Well, Hilton, I want to thank you very much for our discussion today. It's been very interesting and then I have to bring you back. Let's focus on some, some key specific. We are both in a, in, a, in a think tank, so there are also yes. all kinds of interesting topics so we can talk about. And right. so anything, final, final words you want to share on an optimistic point of view that we should finish this discussion yeah, on a yeah. high note? Yeah, we definitely shouldn't finish on a negative note. I think um, you know, the world is a beautiful place. We have our health. We have our wellness. Uh, it's our choice. You know, we, we should enjoy life. We should be the best who we are. We should take advantage of everything around us. And uh, if I may, um, we have a thing for World Wellness Weekend where we say um, victory of the mind and victory of the soul. We put them together and it makes a W for wellness. I look forward to... Uh, speaking with you, Hilton, very soon again. And with these words, I would just want to wish you every, all the best and everyone else uh, the best. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sam Eric. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on The Social Hotelier Show. Make sure to visit our website, 
the social hotelier show, blueberry.net, where you can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Play, or via RSS, so you never miss a show. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we appreciate a rating in Apple Podcast. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that will help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.